When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to a Tuesdays here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And uh, we are now powered and presented by your friends at Cornhead Lager. Awesome. Me, beer, Elijah, beer, you, beer. How about that? And uh, get to your latest uh, Cornhead Lager today. And this one's such a cool collaboration, Schmitty. It's, uh, it's exciting to get the new, the new title sponsor and how cool this is. Cross Strain Brewing. Yes, I'm sure some people have had their Fairy Nectar IPA. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Some of us have it as an IV, but yes. In association with the 1890 Collective. So not only are you getting yourself some beer, you're also sending it towards the Husker Athletic uh, Department athletes in a roundabout way through NIL. Sure. So it's, uh, it's getting yourself some beer, supporting the 1890 Collective. We're super happy to have them on as our new title sponsor, and this is just fantastic. It is. Cornhead Lager, your perfect beer to enjoy while watching your favorite game. Purchase helps support NIL through the 1890 Initiative. Well, we don't have a beer yet. It's not six, or we're not on the road. So we will dive in plenty to sift through with Nebraska as the uh, well, the assistants were made available today. The coordinators, we'll hear a little bit from Tony White, Marcus Satterfield. Interesting game with Purdue as both teams, Nebraska's push for six and beyond. Purdue's schedule gets pretty rough. They've got to do some work to uh, maintain or keep that bowl streak going. Really cool news about Nebraska volleyball with uh, their TV numbers. Their TV numbers outdrew Nebraska football. Stand up and applaud. That is incredible. That is awesome. Uh, Really impressive there. We'll spend some time with Mitch Sherman coming up as uh, we'll talk uh, some ball with Mitch. What's he think about Nebraska? What's he think about uh, the offense, the, the wounded part of the team with all those injuries? In hour two, Tom Deanhart of goldenblack.com. Uh, longtime Big Ten writer Tom Deanhart, a lot of years at the Sporting News and has covered Purdue and BTN. So Tom Deanhart with us at five. Jabba Chamberlain, get a jump in. We will get an NLCS preview from Jabba. His take on the Astros going goodbye. I know Uncle Mark right now. He's probably uh, having a cornhead lager right now celebrating his Texas Rangers uh, getting to the World Series. In fairness to my brother Mark, Uncle Mark, he has loved the Rangers since the days of Pete and Cavilia, Ruben Sierra, and yes, Nolan Ryan. 489-1240, 489-1240 to get in, 800 825 
5865. Can always comment on the stream and do so with the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Also, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Reminder we are at the Single Barrel Thursday. We're uh, going to be up at the Herdant Sports Bar and Grill on Friday, back at the Single Barrel. Saturday pre and post game. So uh, make note of that. Big thanks to our friends at Rosie's for having us down for some Monday night football. So, Elijah, it is going to get gray and gloomy, uh, specifically on Saturday with weather and maybe some rain. And it's going to be Big Ten slash Big Eight football weather. Will that keep you from going? If someone handed Elijah Herbal two seats, and you didn't have other duties, <laughs> would you go brave the elements? Oh, absolutely. You love it. You'd bundle up. You'd, you'd get the red parka out. You'd get the red poncho out. You'd get the mittens going. Or are you more of a, a smoker glove guy when they don't have, you know, they, they have the glove but not the fingertips? No, all you need in a game like this is some red paint to paint your chest. So, so you, you, have, you sh- have you have you shown up shirtless to a game? No, no, no. No one wants to see this body. <laughs> no one wants to see this body. I'm not doing that. Um, I've been to my my fair share of cold weather games, though. And let's be clear, you, there's there's uh, certain concoctions in the the uh, the tailgating lots that keep you warm, <laughs> whether it be a Bloody Mary, whether it be a Cornhead Lager, whatever it be, keeps you nice and warm. Fireball. <sighs> Whatever your 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 concoction of choice is, I'm kind of anti fireball. I think it really is the the kind of drink that is made for cold weather days to keep it you is. warm. It is. You you grin and bear it. You grin and bear it. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It's got to be real cold, and it gets really syrupy, which is kind of hit or miss. But it does it does do I a just great job. Don't love warm. cinnamon that much. Mm. I just don't, mm. and either not that I've had to to buy nor take many birdie shots on the golf course, but that's the rule. You get a birdie, you take a shot. There's just plenty of other whiskeys I would rather have, and also have you seen the whole thing where Fireball like isn't even allowed to brand themselves as a whiskey anymore? Really, like the, they, the whiskey fraternity has said no soup for you. Yeah, so it's like it's not allowed to be called a, a whiskey anymore. I, anyway, I digress. Whatever you want to do to keep you warm, mm. there's that option. Bundle up hoodies, Layer. hats, layers. <laughs> I would much rather... You don't need to go get blackout drunk. Just layer. I would much rather go to a cold weather Husker game where it's a little bit gloomy outside because you can always wear more layers. You like Who remembers that Nebraska-Buffalo game a couple years ago? It was I, chilly. No, no, no. It was the really hot one. You oh, the, about? okay. Because yes. I was sitting in the Singing sun. Buffalo, Buffalo. I was sitting in the sun, and I swear I probably sweated two or three gallons out that day, and I was just gross. I was gross. I felt bad for everyone sitting around me. You can't take off more layers once you reach a certain point. No, they will ask you to please leave the stadium. And you will probably get some sort of ticket as well. You can't do that. But you can always wear more layers to Husker game. I like it. The one thing is like sometimes your feet get a little cold, but wear some wool socks, a couple layers of socks, a couple layers of pants, a couple layers of a a hoodie and a coat on top. You'll be nice and warm, and you can have some drinks to keep you warm as well. I I don't mind the cold weather games. Well, uh, if you see uh, Satterfield buy him one this week. And I know there's been chatter, there's been angst, there's been frustration. Totally get it. The offense is not performing at the uh, scoring explosion or even half of the scoring explosion level. Totally get it. That said, 
there has been a lot of cards handed out, and they've been bad cards for Nebraska with their injury situation. They are trying to make do, and uh, we'll see if they can improve even. That's, that's what I'm wondering. All right, I'm, I'm going to wonder this out loud with the offensive line. Do you think he gets surprised in a good way by the offensive line? Do you think Teddy P comes back, is confident, and kicks butt? Do you think Evans Jenkins kind of follows up with what he, he was ready and, and ready rearing to go? He's been rearing to go a lot of this season, and, and he performed well. And then Lutowski, Listen, I'm not an offensive line expert, but when he's been in, they have run the ball well, and they ran the ball to the right side with him and Ben Hart in some instances where they're able to really get push, and Nebraska had some good movement on that right side. So these guys are ready to go. They've played some football. It's not rookie ball where, all right, son, don't screw it up. They've they've had enough game bullets two of the three anyway, where they're expected to come in and, and really not skip a beat, not miss a beat, maybe elevate the O-line. Would you be surprised to see Nebraska's O-line perform, dare I say, better? I would be surprised to see Nebraska's be- just, O-line Just because better. the unit's not been together or it's still guys that are in the number two position for a reason? Both. Both. I mean, it's hard to get that chemistry together as an offensive line. It's one thing if you have four guys that have been playing together all year long and you plug one more guy in. You can get that guy ready to go in one day. Whenever no, but you have, you're talking three-fifths of the line, man. You're, you're talking two guys in, in Evans Jenkins and in, uh, uh, excuse me, Prohaska. I almost said Latowski. Prohaska on that left side of the line that I'm sure haven't gotten too many snaps together. You weren't expecting these guys to be t- together in a number one role very much. Those guys have to build chemistry within a week. Evans Jenkins and Teddy P together, though, you'd think have been practicing on, sky, on, on second team together. Well, it, well, they've been doing work together in that, that extra tight end role. Yeah. And, and apparently that was worked on last week to bring in a 14 package with four tight ends on the field and a running back, which I assume involved both Prohaska and, and Evans Jenkins. So they've worked together, but not, I would assume, as much as you would like in that left guard, left tackle role. And then you had Ben Scott next to him as well. The offensive line, it's important to work together in a unit. I think that's going to take some time. There's also the element of, you know what? <laughs> I think Coach Royal has seen some offensive line play at the highest level, and I think that there's a reason these guys are on the second sure. team. Um, but what I will say is that the theme of Husker football this year has been that the next man up has surprised me a lot of the times. Whenever Luke Reimer goes down, you know what? John Bullock came in and performed really admirably during his time. And we've heard a lot about, about Bullock this fall camp and really even backdating to, to spring football. But he came in and performed really well so much that you barely even noticed that Reimer wasn't on the field uh, for the past couple of games. You Kai Bayer is a guy that was yeah. wowing on, on special teams. They moved him in. They've got a third down package. The, he played really well at Colorado. He's not been as active with the first team unit, but he's still really good. He flies around to the football. He's another guy that has come in when he's gotten his shot. I was going to say the same thing about Phelan Sanford. Yeah, he's come in and whenever whenever Deshaun Singleton went down against Michigan, my alarm bells were ringing and you know what? They missed Deshaun Singleton against Michigan. I don't think it would have mattered in the final result anyway because Michigan knew what Nebraska was running. Ha ha. But (laughs) Deshaun Singleton, I was concerned about that when Phelan Sanford comes in. What has he done over the past three weeks against Illinois and against 
uh, Northwestern, he's gotten earned himself a black shirt. Mm-hmm. He has played really, really well in that back end, and that was a position I was concerned about. What was his level of play going to be? The theme of the year has been guys have come in and stepped up when their number has been called. I'm not saying it's going to be better than the first unit, but I wouldn't be shocked if we got to the other day Saturday and said, you know what? I didn't notice the offensive line being an issue as much as I thought it was at the beginning of the week. Because as of right now, that's like the, the number one concern in the team for me right now is what is that offensive line going to look like Saturday? I wouldn't be shocked, though, if we get to the end of the game and we're talking to the Real Red Reaction Show and saying, you know what? That offensive line, they weren't perfect, but they performed admirably given the circumstances. I wouldn't be surprised because that seems to have been the, the theme of the year for Husker football is no matter who goes down, somebody is stepping up, filling the shoes, and playing well. See, if you just want to kind of divvy up problems on the offense beyond injury it has been some guys that have played a lot of football with penalties pre-snap penalties early in the year third and short you've you've had a major issue with execution either there's been some drops there's been some air balls where the throws are just not on target or you've just flat out not done your job with a, with a play that was designed, and there was there was a play open, right? I mean, you saw some passes, and we'll get into something that was pretty cool on social media, the, the passing breakdown for Harburg, and not to bore you with it, but it's just fun to look at and say, all right, where are those quadrants he likes to throw to, and how has he done? Uh, we'll get there in about 30 minutes, but you get, guys need to go out and do their job and make a play. Uh, we, we started this whole discussion point off with, Satterfield, and part of it is you got to call to your guy's strengths. He's not always done that. He's done the I want to call this versus this is what they do well. I think he has shifted more to, okay, this is what I think they do well or this is what they've shown they can do well in practice or this is going to fit their strength better. Wonderful. But then you get into a game and it's not executed at a consistent level. That's football. It's, it's really about consistency. Let's hear from Coach Satterfield on the offensive line and really, honestly, the difficulty of plugging and playing a whole new O-line. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, because those guys work together as one. You know, they're, they're, they may be five O-linemen on the field at one time, but it's one, one unit, you know, having to work together. So sometimes it takes some time to uh, get the new guy or the new guys, uh, you know, in tune with everyone else. But I think like Justin came in the last game, played guard and played center at a high level and fit in really nicely with those guys. I think that you know, I'm I'm good with where we're going up front. I think that you know we'll be just fine as long as we stay healthy. You know, with who we got up there right now, uh, we just continue to be physical, continue to run the football. So he's he's confident in what he's seen because he's seen guys come in and do their job. But now Elijah comes down to full time work for Teddy P. It comes down to full time work for Lutonsky. And it's really going to be important that they're bubble wrapped and no one else gets dinged because you don't want to have to be put in that position. What do I do about Sledge? What do I do about Gatula? Um, God forbid if somebody else goes down, you are you are so thin. I mean, there's 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 really only true freshmen you're turning to, right? Or or redshirt freshmen. Well, because there's three positions. I mean, if Ben Scott goes down, you have to slide Evan yeah, Jenkins back to center. Mm-hmm. And then Sam Sledge probably has to come in at left guard. If you if 
Jenkins goes down at left guard, and Sledge has to go in at left guard. Prohaska goes down at left tackle. It's Gunnar Gatula, another true freshman coming in. And then right guard and right tackle, you don't feel great about either. If Latovsky goes down, you're probably turning to Tyler Kanak, the transfer from Utah. And if Benhart goes down at right tackle, you're turning to Hood, the transfer from Georgia. None of these guys have played much, if at all, at the, the Division One Power 5 level. We, we, in game. Now, what's their progress been like uh, through the season on the practice squad? Have they continued to develop? Yes is the answer. But at what rate have they developed? We know the work's been getting done, but how much better have they gotten? It's it's, it's a question of how are they going to step up? I mean, really, it's audition time for your future at Nebraska. I know you're, you'd be thrown into a tough spot here, but these guys that we're talking about, they're the future of the offensive line. At least they, they have to be if Nebraska wants to be successful two, three years down the road. I think you'd be throwing them into the fire a little earlier than you'd want to. But at the end of the day, as Matt Rule said all season long, there's a standard these guys have to play to. And your audition for your future, can you play up to that standard now? 489-1240, we'll check in with Mitch Sherman, get his take on things. And uh, we'll also hear from Tom Deanhart. A long-time man in the Big Ten, goldenblack.com. Reminder about buckling up, hands on the wheel and eyes in mind. Straight ahead, the driver has one job, that's to drive a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's that time. Psst. Hey, Mitch. Mitchy, 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 Mitchy. We're looking for you, pal. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, talking Big Red. Unleash the fury, Mitch. Unleash the fury! On Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio. We say hi to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman. On Twitter is where you find him. Mitch, uh, you are comfortable. You are working away and you're taking time out for us. Is the pup with you? Uh, helping uh, write some scintillating uh, Nebraska stuff. Yeah, he's just off to my right here. You can't see him on the on the stream view, but um, I could definitely grab him for you. He's always always nearby. He is uh, just the the voice of reason, or or, or uh, uh, no, he doesn't have much to contribute. He just pretty much <laughs> wants to sleep um, and eat. You know, do what do what they do. But that's. Uh, that's about all you can add. So I'm just bringing him in for a little cameo here. There we go. Yeah, I like that. He uh, just wants to sleep and eat. That sounds a lot like me too, man. I, I like it. The uh, Hale Varsity YouTube channel where you, you can watch uh, Mitch and his pooch. So will, will this game Saturday offensively put many to sleep? You know, Hudson Card, the quarterback for Purdue, is an offensive talent. We'll see what he's able to do against uh, Tony White's black shirts. They've shut most of the uh, – of the quarterbacks on the other side uh, down, other than J.J. McCarthy and, and Shadur Sanders. And I don't know if Hudson Card is is in that category, but he's one of the better QBs that Nebraska's faced this year. You know, I think Purdue is is a better offense than what Nebraska saw against Illinois, what Nebraska saw certainly against Northwestern with a backup quarterback and all kinds of issues with talent on that side of the ball. Uh, but 
you know, at the end of the year, I don't know that the Boilers are going to rank in the top half of, of uh, the Nebraska schedule um, as far as uh, oppo- opposing uh, talent. So it's a, it's a winnable game, as people like to say every time Purdue <laughs> appears on the Nebraska schedule. And, uh, you know, one that would be very important for Nebraska to get, being that it would be uh, a third consecutive win and, and get the Huskers within one victory of bowl eligibility. Mitch, with how each of these teams like to play, there's been a lot made early in the week of what the weather looks like on Saturday. Cold and rainy in the capital city, most likely. I want to get your thoughts. Is that advantage Nebraska with how they like to play offensively, running the football, how Matt Rule wants his offense to play? Or do you think it could be advantage Purdue as well? Because it's not the same high-flying, air-raid attack Purdue offense that we've seen in recent years. They've changed up how they play football, and it's a little bit more back to that traditional Big Ten where they use the, the ground to set up the pass. I want to get your thoughts. Does any team have an advantage here because of the weather, or is it more of a dead heat? Well, Purdue's offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell, comes from the air-raid Mike Leach school, and, and you know they have, much like Wisconsin, embraced or tried to embrace the Big Ten pounded out philosophy and Purdue has some backs that can run it. We saw that with Maccabee last year in, in West Lafayette in a, what was kind of a shootout, but it was just a game where neither team could stop the other team. 43 to 37 was the score. seems like a, like a generation ago, but it was just, <laughs> just one, one year. I was looking at that score today as I was going through the, the, the recent history between these programs. And it, it I, I couldn't remember much about that game. It, 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 uh, just seems like a like a blur everything that happened then but but what i do recall is that purdue ran the ball well and that's what they're going to need to do in lincoln on saturday most likely with the with the gusty winds and you know you might have some precipitation undeniably at, at this point in the week i think it's safe to say the forecast if there's one thing it's right about it's not going to be warm on on saturday afternoon we're going to be in the upper 30s or, or 40s and, you know, Matt Rule, you know, he smiled and, and seemed to really enjoy that that conversation when it came up. Maybe he just liked talking about that more than he did his entire uh, offensive side of the ball being injured. But he, you know, the, he, he wants to build this team so that it embraces that kind of that kind of weather so that it plays its best when the elements are averse. And this is why Nebraska, Matt Rule said, Never practiced inside in the spring when there were snow showers or it was 27 degrees on a morning in, in March. Uh, so they're getting to the point of the year, in theory, if the, if the rule plan holds, where they should, they should have an advantage. They should be playing and they, they, should, they should be right in their element to be playing in this kind of weather. And, and you know, Illinois, the, on the road on that Friday night, it was kind of like what we're going to see on Saturday in Lincoln. And, and, defensively, Nebraska came through. On the offensive side, it was very much a mixed bag, but it's been that way all year. Mitch, what do you make of Matt Rule's reaction to getting the question about the weather yesterday? He had a bit of a smirk on his face, as our, our friend Connor Happer pointed out. It was, it was pretty funny to see Matt Rule's reaction getting asked about the cold weather. It almost seemed like that was his favorite question of the day with just cold weather being on the topic. It seemed like something that he was just really, really excited to talk about. No, it was just it was just the favorite the favorite person his favorite person asking the question the favorite qu- question questionnaire um, I think is is, <laughs> is why Matt Rule uh, had that look on his face. Yeah, I'm sure so, <laughs> that was in fact my question uh, to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, his you know, like favorite, I said, capital Elijah, favorite. I, yeah, I think, like I said, I think he uh, 
you know, he wants Nebraska to embrace this. And he appreciated that 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 topic got brought up because I think he's thought about it. And not just this week and w- when he when he saw the forecast and, you know, you know that he had seen it already when he came into the press conference on Monday. Um, but really all through his time at Nebraska, he's he's been bracing himself for this kind of a situation and looking forward to it and trying to build a team that was going to be at its best, that was equipped to play its best football when the, when it became uh, Big Ten West weather in November. Mitch Sherman, a few minutes with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch with The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter is where you find him. Mitch, what did you take away from, from Coach Satterfield today uh, when discussing the offense? Uh, he seems optimistic. He's supposed to seem optimistic uh, and and dare I say excited about some of the young guys but he and that side of the football is continuing to to just get decimated by injuries I know it's it's a talking point but I don't know what's your outlook for the offensive line I mean do you think the O-line could surprise Saturday well that depends on what the expectations are and you know I think fans um, you know people who watch are are going to look at the players who stepped in. You have Teddy Prohaska, you have Justin Evans Jenkins and Henry Lutovsky. And Nebraska's okay with those three guys out there, I think, and I think most people will believe. Um, alongside Ben Scott and Bryce Benhart, the 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 main the big difference in what's going on now versus where they were at for the first seven games of the year is that they don't have depth. Um, in the past, they had those three guys who could fill in if needed. And Nebraska needed it on Saturday against Northwestern. You saw Evans Jenkins come in first to play guard when Piper, Ethan Piper went down. And you saw him move over to center, which is his natural position, Evans Jenkins, or at least it was when he was recruited to Nebraska in his first year or so on campus when, when Ben Scott limped off. And fortunately for Nebraska, Ben Scott is okay, um, at least now. Um, you know, cross your fingers that there are no more injuries because that's where the real problems come in. I, I think they're they're in panic mode if, or at least like the alarm bells are going off if somebody else goes down on the offensive line. So that's awfully precarious when you've got five games left to play. And, you know, it looks like they'll get Nuri Nuili back, but that's going to be a couple weeks. So they've got to make, make, make do really with these five guys because behind them, it's a couple of true freshmen who they hope to redshirt still and Sam Sledge and Gunnar Gatula, and you got a couple of redshirt freshmen um, in addition, the transfer Tyler Knack and the, the transfer uh, Jacob Hood. So those two guys, you know, have been on the scout team or, or injured, um, you know, unable to, to suit up. Uh, Hood was not even part of the 110 um, at the beginning of the at the beginning of camp. So they're they're getting down to some some uh, you know to the bottom of the barrel somewhat, at least in terms of the depth. Um, you know, in the future, these guys may be starters, but right now they're not. The the, the backups are not in, are not uh, equipped for that kind of a role in the Big Ten. Mitch, is this Murphy's Law in effect? I mean, we talked about it in spring. We talked about it in summer. We even talked about the start of fall camp, how thin the offensive line was, and now the offensive line is the position group that is hit hardest due to injuries, maybe outside wide receiver. But I think within the past week, maybe the offensive line has taken the cake there, considering the, the depth issues that they already had. Is this just Murphy's Law? It seems to be at both positions, and you can even put running back in there too. You know, Nebraska had depth at the beginning of the year at running back, and now you're down to 
Emmett Johnson, who, you know, in the spring was like fifth on the depth chart. You know, you forget he was behind A.J. Allen, who's now at Miami. And then all of the guys who were hurt and Anthony Grant. Um, and he's your starter. I mean, he's, he's going to be the guy getting the first carry on Saturday against Purdue. That was him against Northwestern because of Grant's ball security issues. So, I mean, they can go back to Anthony, but it looks like they want to roll with Emmett Johnson um, at receiver. Yeah, it's Murphy's Law. I think it's the same thing at, at O-line. So I don't know when it stops. I mean, it's scary somewhat for Marcus Satterfield to think that this season is like 60% over with and you've had the number of injuries that you, that you have. Like what position is this offense going to be in when Iowa comes to town on Black Friday. Mitch, we talked a little bit in our post game and looking at, at Harburg where he's been most effective throwing the football and beyond 10 yards wasn't a, a good day last Saturday against Northwestern aside for the shot to, to Malachi Coleman. Do you think you'll see more play action in um uh, in, in the play call this weekend or, or beyond. And Nebraska seems to run better out of the shotgun versus the eye. But when he's under center to do play action uh, or, 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 or drop back, I mean, he seems to be better. Uh, and it, it makes it a little bit easier with, uh, from a read standpoint, if you're doing play action, is that going to be more, yeah, he looks, more, he looked more of a, a thing for him? He looked comfortable doing that. Uh, certainly on the, the belly G option pass that Tom Osborne uh, diagnosed was needed for this Nebraska offense. He looked good doing that. And, you know, I mean, you think back to quarterbacks like like Harburg in Nebraska history, the guys who were run first and, and you know, aren't naturally uh, extremely talented in the traditional pass game. At least that's not their, their first order of business. And a lot of those guys have been good on the, on the, the play action pass where they're under center and they fake that handoff to a back and, and you drop the safeties and then you get one-on-one coverage over the top. And, you know, you're not necessarily having to look too much at the, the underneath route routes. It's, it's a, it's a more basic concept, I think, for the, for the QB to, to look for a big play. Um, that's worked uh, historically for Nebraska in the past game. You know, maybe we'll see Heinrich do uh, do a little bootleg, like where the, the, the QB runs down the, the line of scrimmage a few feet and, and then backs up and throws, throws deep. I think that's next. Um, you know, if you, if you study Nebraska football and offensive football at Nebraska and you, you kind of see the road that they're going down with where they want to take this passing game. And if they're really going to dive into some of the old concepts, you know, that's a staple that, that, that bootleg pass that has, you know, produced so many touchdowns over the years to tight in. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit of that to Nate Borkutcher or, or, or Thomas Fedoni um, this week or, or in the, you know, in the games in November. Mitch, we'll get you out. Thanks for giving us a few minutes today. All right. Good to talk to you guys. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Mitch Sherman. Tom Deanhardt's coming up in 25 minutes. Java Chamberlain will join us at 525. Some baseball playoff game seven preview. Thoughts on what could be a pretty exciting World Series. Walter chimes in on Hale Varsity with the scoring breakdown. Whiskey's almost at 27 a game. Purdue's at 23. Illinois at 20. Minnesota right at 20. <clears throat> Iowa at 19. And if we had the uh, prices Right sound effect, we could play, hey, Nebraska's at 18.7. At the end of the day, though, Nebraska, despite being at 
18.7 has beaten two of the three teams that are sure. ahead of them on that list. Right on. That, they, that they've played so far this year. And I think if you could go back, you get Minnesota this year. You could time argue year, a, a three for three? I, I think Matt Rule and Husker fans alike would probably feel a lot better about Nebraska beating Minnesota at, at this point in the season as compared to when they did back in, in week one. So. That's a Minnesota team, man, that just went into Iowa City and kicked four field goals. If Minnesota wins the Big Ten West, which they very realistically could, they have have a tough schedule upcoming. That's going to make things really hard on them. But, I mean, I I don't know. It's it's anyone's in the West right now. Yeah, not Northwestern. (laughs) Except except Northwestern. Northwestern and Illinois are probably out. But, no, it's going to be – Bar fight, man. I mean, Wisconsin's found a way, and they'll go get smoked by Ohio State. Oh, that line's a little low. It's 14 and a half. Maybe it'll climb. I don't know. But well, well, the thing is, Wisconsin has not looked the same without Mordecai. No. And Ohio State traditionally, I'm not sure if you saw the stats this morning, Schmitty, they perform really, really well in the weeks that Taylor Swift drops an album. I, well, you'd put that tweet out, and, and she's re-releasing. And she is. I mean, Ohio State goes and they kick ass those weeks. <laughs> they, they kick ass and they take names. So we'll see if that affects anything. But whenever I look at those offensive numbers, though, in the Big Ten West, sometimes you can just throw offensive numbers to the side. It's not offense that wins you the Big Ten West title. It's nine it's times defense. out of ten, it's your defense. So I think you have to keep that in mind whenever what, you look at the, 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 the quote-unquote high-flying offense that what, Wisconsin has. What defense is going to get? The most help down this stretch run is we're on the doorstep in November uh, from their opposing offense. Let's hear from Satterfield. He was asked earlier today at the media session about his quarterback, Heinrich Harburg, and how was his patience with Harburg on Saturday? I was patient. I was, I was very patient. You know, it was just... It's one of those things you you have those games like when you're growing like that's his fifth fifth start I believe uh, not making excuses for me or him uh, but sometimes you just have you know you have bad days where the timing's not there and the ball's not coming out like it should uh, but he fought through it and he persevered you know he came back and made that play that was crucial to get that ball to Malachi and just kind of let everybody take a breath and and move forward through the fourth quarter. So the 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 two guys in the the three guys in the stadium that need to be patient with where this team is at and offense is at is your quarterback you can't get rattled you can't get down your offensive coordinator and of course your head coach those are the three most important people because 90,000 or 87,000 right now are fighting it and it's not to pile on a local guy it's not to pile on a new ACOC or a new head coach but it's just you want to see it take flight eventually and, and right now you're just you're stuck. Well, on the other side of my coin saying, well, it's not offense that wins you Big Ten West titles. Nebraska is the worst offense in a division full of bad offenses. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that, that Nebraska's can be okay. defense, um, it, it can go one of two ways now. It can go from bad to worse or it can get better. But I don't know that it stays the same. Actually, I will say, I don't think Nebraska is the worst offense in the Big Ten West. I think that that title is still held by Iowa. Iowa gets they, some help they from may, their special they may teams average, and defenses. Uh, they, they may average one point more than Nebraska, but I'd take Nebraska's quarterback in Harburg or Sims or Purdy over Biscuits and Gravy any day. Dax Hill? Yes. Well, Biscuits and Gravy is his name. Why? 
because he's 285 pounds. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, let's not hate on the biscuits and no, gravy. No, I love it too. I was raised I had, on biscuits and I gravy, but I was a fat much, little kid too. I had too much Sunday. I'm, I'm all for it, but I wasn't playing quarterback and neither were you. So last thought here on Satterfield with the quarterback situation, because this thought bubble popped into everyone's head. Did you ever think of going to the bullpen? No, no. We were just, I mean, discussing, like, hey, what can we do to get you in rhythm? What can we do to get you more comfortable? Because once he sees it, it's like any other, any quarterback, they just need one play, you know, to kind of get him back into and get him on track. Very true. So let's talk about that rhythm part. And, and where does Harburg have his most rhythm? And passing charts been posted up. Elijah, you found this on Reddit. Yeah, shout out to the the Reddit user. I don't believe in isms. Okay, so we got to give credit where credits due. Who did the the homework here? And you, homework here, and you have four quadrants. You have um, downfield. Uh, you know, passes at the line of scrimmage, passes of ten yards, and then passes of twenty yards. Right, center, left, or right, and right at the line of scrimmage. Hey. It's, it's pretty good. I mean, you have a whopping two incompletions at the line of scrimmage. You'll, you'll, you'll take that, but... At or behind the line of scrimmage, right. you noted, yeah. So, we're talking like the, the screen plays mm-hmm. or, uh, or plays of that ilk. Heinrich, eight of eight down the middle of the field and passes at or behind the line of scrimmage. Three for four to the left, three for four to the right. So, when it comes to passes 10 yards or more to the middle of the field, he's four of 12 with a pick and an interception. That was... The first play to Northwestern, two of eight to the right with an interception, and he's one of eight of plays beyond 20 yards down the right sideline. Uh, he has not attempted anything down the middle, deep middle beyond 20 yards. He's one for five with a touchdown and an interception. That was to Malachi. Mm-hmm. But anything beyond 20 yards, your hit rate, when you have a 20 to 30% chance of completing those. Great quarterbacks are going to go three for ten when you take a shot downtown. You see the highlight, but more times than not, they're not completed. But it's that midi, that middle range, that ten yard intermediate pass that I think you could wear out teams with with a guy like Fedoni, or send somebody on a dig route, or get Bullock over the middle. I mean, there there are chances to do it, but with Nebraska right now. They've got to be able to scare you running the football, and I think their stats will will yield that respect for opposing defenses. But I'm I'm just at a point right now where, all right, you want plays that look the same that set up the defense for failure off of play action. You need your run action to match your, match your play action, and that's when you sting a defense. And right now, Elijah. There, there. I, I can't see the benefit right now in into many more just straight dropbacks. Well, so, uh, with Harbor, can, can you? And well, you talk about. I mean, the Monday, I mean, the Monday presser, the Monday don't presser. erase it all, but do what he does well, and that seems to be play action. And first, or in first play of the game against Northwestern's a, a shot play downfield. Anything beyond ten yards, Heinrich Harbor is ten of thirty-seven with three interceptions. It's not what he does best, especially if it's a straight drop back. That's why I think, oh, yeah, you saw it in film. You think it's a, a play that can score you a touchdown on the first play, but you're 10 of 37 on anything beyond 10 yards down the field. Doesn't Keep like working it's what you on best. it. Call it sparingly, right? 
that the answer will wind down hour one. Hail Varsity continues. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour. Busy second hour. Hit some Major League Baseball with Java Chamberlain. And also Tom Deanhart talks Purdue, Nebraska. Reminder about Dyer Law. Workers' compensation. Are you confused about the options of your workers' compensation claim? Put your trust in the team at Dyer Law and help ensure that your rights are protected and you get the settlement you deserve. Call Dyer Law on the team today at 402-393-7529 or visit Dyer.Law. Dyer.Law to chat with a trusted professional about your workers' compensation claim. Dyer Law, that's Dyer.Law, 402-393-7529. You have all sorts of fights going on on Twitter with this Jim Harbaugh thing, uh, the way things have been presented uh, in in some quarters where absolutely it looks really, really, really incriminating with Harbaugh and Michigan and Mr. Stallion. And then you have others doing research. I mean, in one breath, you have uh, a national media outlet saying, well, look at look at Ohio State's reaction here because Michigan has recognized what's coming. And you roll tape and on three put this out there. Well, the Ohio State then audibled to a touchdown pass to one of their stud wideouts. This was a, a season or two ago. But what, what do you believe with, with Harbaugh? Do you think he's trying to steal signs? Yeah, I believe that. Did he go to great lengths to do it? Probably. Uh, sent somebody to do it. Is there a loophole with the NCAA that's going to keep him from getting ousted? Yeah. And listen, the Big Ten will go to bat for a team that's on the doorstep of winning a national championship. Period. And... That's going to be that, and he may ride off, ride off into the NFL once he gets that championship anyway. Yeah, I, I think a, a fair punishment here for Harbaugh, and this is obviously not knowing all the facts, but as I look at it now— Beyond I think, three games? I was going to say three games to start the year next year. His non-conference slate next year, suspend him for those three, oh. then have him right back. I mean, this, this falls, I think, in terms of how bad we're talking. It's right in line with buying kids cheeseburgers. Sure. And—, and <laughs> It was probably an expensive cheeseburger with inflation. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's it. <laughs> right? So I just wonder where, where all this goes. And Coach Prime weighed in on it today with his press conference. And I know everyone loves Coach Prime and our listening radius. He's like, dude, you still got to stop it. <laughs> and right now, I look at this Michigan football team, and there's not very many people with helmets and, and mouthpieces that can stop what Michigan's doing. Mm-hmm. And even if they, they don't know what's going on, if they got to react to a play that wasn't scouted perfectly or an audible on third and eight, Michigan's still extremely difficult to block and finish for four quarters. They're, what, what is a shame about this is that this is going on anyway, but you have a team at this caliber – that is going to get tainted or questioned or not the credit they deserve. If they run the table, go 15-0, and 0, they play Georgia or whoever, I know I'm getting way ahead of myself because the Big Ten is a juggernaut. They don't look like a team that is going to get disinterested. 
there's a distraction out there right now, and I think they're going to turn it into fuel. And they are loaded too deep with better players than you have specifically on the lines of scrimmage. Tom Deanhart will get his take on Michigan. We'll get his thoughts on Nebraska-Purdue on the way. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, Hour 2, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Let's talk Purdue football. Tom Deanhart with us as he joins us from goldenblank.com. Find Tom on Twitter at TomDeanhart1. Tom, going to be a big ball game in Lincoln. It'll be good to see you again, man. How you been? Yeah, been good, been good. Can't believe the season's over halfway over here. Uh, yeah, a lot on the line for Purdue. Probably a must-win for the Boilermakers, honestly. Two wins, there's five games to go. Have to go at least four and one down the stretch, and one of the games is at Michigan. So probably not going to win that one. So that means Purdue's got to probably win out against Nebraska, Minnesota, Northwestern, and Indiana if it wants to get to six wins. Tell me about Coach Walters. Your impressions for him year one? What's been good, and what's been a bit of a work in progress? I just you know he's a, he's a real upbeat guy. A lot of enthusiasm, a lot of energy. You know he's only thirty seven years old, so really connected well with the players seems to have some momentum going with recruiting um so yeah just uh, again uh, just a real player friendly vibe now not really sure how, how good of a head coach he is obviously never been a head coach and the staff is relatively young too so just uh, just a lot of unknowns from a coaching staff standpoint sort of a work in progress uh and uh, yeah we'll see where it goes but um yeah just some growing pains i think right now Tom, it made it to Nebraska media yesterday, that quote from Ryan Walters about how he doesn't like Nebraska dating back to his days growing up as a Colorado fan. I want to get your take as somebody who's covered him all season long. Is that par for the course for him, or is that something new to to come out before a game and say, you know what, I don't like these guys? I really don't think there's anything really uh, nefarious about it. I mean, he just, you know, he, is, he grew up in Boulder, and his dad played for the Buffaloes, and you know, I don't think he had any malice in the, in the uh or any premeditation and I think he's trying to send a signal so no he, he's not really a, a guy full of braggadocio or anything or a lot of you know talk that's you know going to be insightful so yeah again he was just answering a question and um obviously it looks like I caught the attention of a lot of Nebraska people but so yeah I guess it is what it is and um you know like I said when he was growing up Nebraska was the kingpin a lot of people felt that way about the Huskers. So I know I know he's looking forward to getting out there, and, and he loves that environment. And uh, it's a big game for the Huskers, too. I think you guys won four out of the last five. You know, four wins right now. Looks like it's a good chance to get to a bowl for, for the first time since 2016, I think. Tom, when's the last time we talked when Nebraska was uh... – poised for or possibly poised for a bowl game <laughs> we've been doing this a lot of years and uh it's not been the case uh, tell me about about walters d and i i really love that illinois unit and i love that talent on the illinois unit a year ago how's he how's he brought that to west lafayette and, and how have the guys picked up on it is is the defense the strength of the team yeah you know he, he developed that five-man front defense with the help of some other people 
back when he was the coordinator at Missouri, um, well, you know, he worked with Barry Odom, worked with Eli Drinkwitz, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a scheme that he took to Illinois with him the last two years and had a lot of success there. You know, you know, the five man fronts, the two guys on the ends are actually linebackers, two outside linebackers, a buck and a fox. And he has three interior linemen and those guards and two kind of ends or tackles Then two inside linebackers, four guys in the secondary. And sometimes that second inside linebacker, they'll, they'll, they'll swap him out for a sort of a hybrid safety linebacker, a guy out there. There's a plenty of team that's going to spread you out. And they like to get upfield and attack. So, um, you know what? Your schemes are schemes. You know, a lot of schemes work. Nebraska runs a 3 3 5. It's about players. I mean, honestly, it's always about players, right? And Purdue just doesn't have that many great players right now. I think defensively, the front's pretty good. But the inside linebackers and the guys in the back end, they've had some rough patches back there. So, again, uh, he's still trying to flip this roster over. And there's been some real growing pains on that side of the ball. Tom, let's go to the Purdue offense, and the the run game seems pretty solid for Purdue. Tell me a little bit about what folks will see on Saturday. Is is it poised to score some points, or has it been kind of a sputtering offense? It's been sputtering, honestly, Chris. Uh, I think, too, this defense they're going to face is pretty tough, especially against the run. So, And honestly, the run's been the strength of the Purdue defense this year, the Purdue offense this year. Um, you don't usually say that about the Boilermakers, but they've got two pretty good backs. Devin Mockney had a big game last year against Nebraska. He's running really well. He had some fumbling issues earlier this year. But he's sort of got his game locked in. And Tyrone Tracy, he's missed the last game and a half with a groin injury, but he's supposed to be back. And you know, there's a point where this year where Tracy was the number one back. He's a former Iowa Hawkeye, and he's he's got some moves. So they got two good backs. The line's been sort of a hit and miss. Hudson Card's been a solid quarterback. He just doesn't have many real good players to throw to, especially on the outside. There's no Charlie Jones or Rondell Moore on this offense. No real difference makers, guys who can take the top off a of defense. The closest to that that description would be Deion Burks, uh, number four. Watch him. And they've got some good tight ends. You know, Garrett Miller, number 88, he's probably a pro. But this defense, you know, I mean, this offense still just struggles to get that, those big chunk plays and too often has to try to drive down the field. And again, against defenses like Iowa and probably Nebraska's, I, I think that's going to be a lot to ask. Tom Hart's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, previewing what the Boilermakers are bringing to Lincoln on Saturday. And Tom, one of the things that Matt Rule talked about in his Monday presser was Hudson Card's dual threat ability, how that kind of worried him. He remembered recruiting Card whenever he was down at Baylor and said he could have played wide receiver in college if he wanted to with that kind of athleticism. Have you seen that the dual threat nature of Hudson Card this year with the Boilermakers? And, and what kind of threat do you think that poses? Is that, I guess, what Ryan Walters wants from his Purdue offense? Does he want that dual threat nature at quarterback? Oh, yeah. I think every coach wants that out of their quarterback, right? Um, and, yeah, well, Hudson Card's a terrific athlete. When he was early in his high school career at in Austin, at Lake Travis High School, he actually was a wide receiver. And uh, got on the – obviously, he was a quarterback by trade, but they just got him on the field because of his athletic ability. He was very good. So, uh, yeah, he's a guy who can extend the play with his feet. He can make something out of nothing if everything breaks down. He can execute the RPO for you if you want. He's, he's got good size, and he can make all the throws, you know. Uh, so he checks all the boxes, honestly. And he he, he got a little, little bit beat up here 
late September against Illinois on September 30th. It was really hurting when they played at Iowa. Almost didn't play that game. And I was a little bit healthier for Purdue's last game against Ohio State. So he really needed this bye week. And uh, Coach Walter says he's good to go. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if Purdue has any new wrinkle for, for Nebraska here coming out of the bye. Um, like I said, this is a big game. They really haven't run any gadget plays this year. And uh, it's probably do or die time. So if Purdue's got anything that's holding back, now will be the time to use it. Like I said, they've had a couple of weeks to work on things. So maybe they'll have a new wrinkle or two to show Nebraska to try to give them any upper hand they can coming into this ballgame. Tom Deanhart with us as he is part of Gold and Black, has covered Purdue in the Big Ten for a number of years at Tom Deanhart One on Twitter. It's where you find him. A couple minutes left with him. And Tom, a, a thought from your perspective. What's your take on Nebraska? What do you think of rule? What do you think of year one so far? Yeah, pretty good. You know, um, how can you argue with his resume, right? State college PA kid, I want to walk on linebacker. What he did at Temple, what he did at Baylor. Got the NFL. I know that didn't go that well at Carolina, but still to get to that level and get a job like that at his age, very impressive. And yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it looks like uh, and this is a coach that can maybe finally flip the script there and working right. And I love the hire of what Tony White, the defensive coordinator from Syracuse, talked about that 3 3 5 defense a little bit. That's been the strength, it sounds like, of the Huskers this year. Um, Really good against the run. Tackle, they tackle very well. It's just the offense. Sounds like there have been some issues there. And the injuries, right? I mean, I've read the accounts of the offensive line injuries, the receivers. Uh, just been a real uh, a lot of attrition there. And, you know, the quarterback, big guy, 6'5", 215. You know, I'm told he's, he's faster than you think, too. <laughs> and he obviously is the, the hub of that offense, so, right? Purdue's had some issues with quarterbacks who run the football. Syracuse quarterback Garrett Schrader, Luke Altmeyer at Illinois had some success, even Tanner Mordecai at Wisconsin. So they've had some real issues, quarterbacks who can run. So they're going to have their hands full, I think, with that Husker offense. But, you know, again, I, I think both offenses are probably going to struggle a little bit. Um, and I think the new under is like 39 and a half points. Sounds like it's going to be cold, maybe a little bit of rain. So it could be a real uh, – classic, uh, you know, late October Midwestern football uh, <laughs> atmosphere weather-wise, it sounds like when this thing kicks off at 2.30 Central time. Yeah, and Tom, Nebraska's had a couple of those types of games here in recent weeks, maybe not with the weather, but that low-scoring, Big Ten West, yeah. slugfest nature kind of game, and we haven't really seen that from Purdue. Maybe you could argue that 20-14 to 14 loss against Iowa was the closest that they got, but what do you make of, of Purdue and how they'll respond in a, in a game that is potentially lower-scoring, slugfest? It could just be a couple of plays that really determine the outcome of this game. Yeah, it could be tough. He scored 21 combined points the last two games, so Against against Iowa and Ohio State, um, yeah, you know the, the thing about Purdue, if, if they get in a game that's going to be low scoring, it, if, and, if, and if it comes down to making a field goal, the Boilers are probably in some trouble. They really, I mean, the place kicking has been an, an abomination. There's no other way to really sugarcoat it at this point. The number one kicker's been hurt most of the year. He's supposed to be back, a kid named Ben Freehill, but he hasn't exactly been a, a gem right now. A kid last game missed three field goals. All told, produced three of nine on field goals this year, the worst percent in the Big Ten. They missed two PATs. The only team in the Big Ten that missed two PATs. So 
you're still really searching for answers there in the special teams as far as place kicking goes. That's something to be mindful of if this thing comes down to a one-score game if we need to try to kick a field goal to win it or tie it. Tom, I want to go a little bigger picture before we say goodbye on on the Big Ten. And what's your reaction? You've covered uh, Big Ten and uh, national stories uh, a lot of your career. What do you make of the Harbaugh-Michigan saga that's going on, the, the latest saga with the uh, the spy innuendo? Yeah, the, the, the latest saga is a good way to put it, Chris. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating, really. Uh, you kind of wonder how many, how many teams actually do this, right? Hmm. Uh, and, 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 and the evidence that, that apparently the investigators have of this, it sounds pretty fascinating, right? So we'll see where it goes. Um, I, I wonder, you know, boy, it's fun to point fingers and, and wonder about the advantage Michigan got. And even if it's proven to be true, what's going to happen in Michigan? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're not going to not let them win the Big Ten or compete in the playoff this year. Uh, I guess the, the only damage probably, and I'm just speculating, would be just mm-hmm. to the reputations of, of Harbaugh, and he probably doesn't care. And then Michigan, you're always going to have that taint around Michigan, I guess, this proves to be true uh, um, that what they've accomplished in recent years is going to always forever be tamed and, and remembered for being, you know, augmented by, by illegal scouting practices. So, yeah, it's just another crazy, funny storyline that, that you never could have anticipated. And uh, here we are uh, trying to unfurl what actually went on and, and again, what the outcome could be for Michigan and Harbaugh moving forward. You, you have uh, flights, uh, you have tickets purchased, you have footage yeah. of of the uh, the the director or the the scouting uh, expert, as we'll say, <laughs> and, yeah. and, he, and he's on the sideline. And based on formation, he's in the ear of the defensive coordinator, and they're <laughs> screaming pass now. If I had Ohio State's wide receiving core, like I did the last year and, and even previous years, I know it's going to be a pass on third and eight. <laughs> now, yeah. that that said, they knew what was coming. And even a, a close-up shot on social media, it doesn't look doctored anyway, is a guide and a legend of hand signals. I mean, it is it is to a T meticulous. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's 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 going to be fun to watch the story continue to unfold here, from a fascination standpoint. And uh, again, it kind of one of the first things out of, out of my head was, well, how many other teams actually do this? Don't don't you wonder if maybe more of this goes on than we know about? Who knows? Maybe not. Mm. Um, maybe to the not. Level. And again, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure maybe to a level, but man, to be that meticulous to to go to all those games, so premeditated. So well thought That's out. A good so, word. So planned, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's it's it's, it's crazy, and um, yeah, just another layer to the to, to the Harbaugh conundrum, right? And the mystery, mysterious man he is. You think Iowa and uh, their push for what three twenty five is that the number? Uh, not going to be achieved, but Iowa's defense is bulletproof. They are incredible. Yeah, and, and and yet they they found ways to win in the past. Do you see the pressure mounting against uh, Kirk and company? Do you think uh, he may walk away at the end of the year? They'd just retire? I don't know. I, I, I've got no earthly idea what he's going to do. Um, 
it's always tough when these guys have been coaching somewhere for a long time. It never seems like it ends real well when somebody stayed a real long time. Mm-hmm. I always think of Paterno and Bobby Bowden and yeah. a lot of these longtime guys. You know, it's it's tough. It's going to be interesting to see uh, if and if, if and when he steps down. He's just been an iconic career, right? I guess more more to the point is the future Brian Ferentz. I mean, I'm not weeping for Brian Ferentz making $900,000 a year. If he loses his job, I'm sure he's going to get a job coaching the offensive line somewhere. But obviously, Kirk wanted him to be his business. The guy who follows him in Iowa City, and that's not going to happen. So that's been a kind of fun, crazy story to watch in monitor two from Iowa City. Dom Dean Hart with us as he is part of Gold and Black, has covered Purdue in the Big Ten for a number of years at Tom Dean Hart 1. Tom, we'll see you in Lincoln. Bundle up, and thanks for a few minutes today. Sounds good. Take care, fellas. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Good stuff from Tom Deanhart, Purdue, Nebraska. We turn to Game 7 NLCS. Once talked to a World Series champion, Husker standout, Jabba Chamberlain with us. Can watch in the stream the Hale Varsity YouTube channel or live on Twitter at HVarsity Radio. Mr. Jabba, how the hell are you, brother? Well, now that this weather turned kind of crappy, it's it was nice out earlier. Now it's windy and cold, so... Uh... Not a bad night to hunker down and, and watch some baseball. I, I think so. So do you have any chili on? Or, or if it, when the weather turns, we do talk food occasionally here. You know me. What, what's what's your, your go-to? Are you just going to get some wings ordered or fire up the uh, the air fryer? Or are you going to do a pot of chili? Or what do you do for uh, these October baseball games? Yeah, not, I think not it's a that you're watching decision right now. It's, uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where – if it was colder earlier, I would have thrown I'd have thrown some chili on. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to on Friday at the Herd at Sports Bar. I get a bowl of their chili. You, you crushed chili a week was it two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, you, you we we got to hang out up there and in La Vista. It was awesome, and you recommend the chili. It's Java approved. A hundred percent. I definitely will. I, I don't know if I'll get the bowl next time. The cup I think is probably good enough. That was a <laughs> uh, a vast of chili, but uh, no, it, I think it's going to be fun. I think uh, anything can happen in Game Seven. I know, and uh, a lot of offense last night. So I have not Facetimed my brother yet because I I don't think he has stopped running around his home because he's been <laughs> a Rangers fan. I was telling. Elijah, this uh, Uncle Mark's been a Ranger fan since the days of Ruben Sierra and Pete Incavilia and Nolan Ryan. So he's a long time, even uh, Pete O'Brien, uh, uh, throwback Husker, those days. So he's loved the Rangers forever for some reason. And uh, a lot of it had to do with Nolan Ryan. They got their sweet revenge. They lost the division to Houston on the last day, but they won the war. It went seven. They took seven. And tell me about Garcia, man. 15 RBI, four hits, two homers in a game seven. Un, un, unreal for, for Texas. That said, were you surprised at how how beat up the, the Astros were? I mean, they, they just didn't have it last night, and you're used to seeing them thrive in that moment. Yeah, I mean, it was – from the get-go, it was, it was a, there was a weird feel to the game. Um, you know, obviously game sevens are, are crazy just because – you know, nothing's off limits unless the guy that started the game before. That's about it. So anything can happen in just the auspicious start of them getting three early. And then, you know, with Adolis and what he's done, I mean, to have that many homers and he still has a series left. I mean, Randy Rosarina set the record with 10. And we've seen how crazy when he went off. Mm-hmm. 
And I just think, you know, they're, they're just going to carry that momentum. Just, you know, it's, you know, I think the unsung hero, I think, is Jordan Montgomery coming in after Max and, and giving him that length and, you know, being able to uh, to extend that and, and keep that lead. You knew you knew the Astros weren't going to give in. You know, it was, it was going to be tooth and nail. But then, you know, just a hit here, a homer there, and you're just like, it's it's not their year. I mean, you can't take anything away from them. You know, it was, it was refreshing Dusty after the game. He's like, you know, he made no excuses. He just he just flat out said we got beat by a better team today. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about, you know, those guys in the series is like, it's it's no BS. We're just going to tell you the way it is. And, and I love the way that they went about it. And I, I think I predicted it to go seven. So I, I feel like I was pretty good about that one. Java Chamberlain with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Java, I also predicted to go seven. I think I had the Rangers. I got to go back and check the tape. So Tapes, I feel- I, I, you know, I did not burn the tape. I said Rangers in seven, but I, it was po- totally out of my backside. I had no <laughs> smart guy goes with Houston in that situation. I went with uh, with brotherly love, I guess. And, and, and speaking of predictions, Java, I was sitting down with you on Sunday night, and I said that I thought the that the uh, the Phillies were going to get it done in this series tonight wasn't going to go seven. I think I owe you a beer at the Herd at Sports Bar and Grill on Friday. That's where we're going to be, us three, doing a live podcast recording from six to seven ahead of game one of the World Series, the Triple Play podcast. So come up and visit us. Jabba's getting chili and a beer on me because this series goes to you seven. Just, you're just paying everybody. I love it. We just staking a beer on Monday Night Football, and it's chili and a beer for Jabba. I just can't stop losing my bet, Schmitty. It's as simple as that. But, uh, but Jabba, whenever you look at this series tonight, they're playing for a right to, to go face the Rangers on Friday night. And it's been a, a series of, of ups and downs for the Phillies. It really feels like they had that hot start. The Diamondbacks have battled back. Diamondbacks really battled yesterday afternoon to 4-7. I want to get your thoughts on what we're going to see tonight. Because the Phillies, for as hot as they were to start the series, really feels like the bats have cooled off just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously going into it, um, the advantage, obviously, with the Phillies and having home field and just that prowess of that crowd and how loud they can get. And, you know, I think I think Brandon Fott is, is in a right place of mind. I, I was reading some articles on him today, and, you know, the guy was just sitting there. He's like, I'm going to do what I want. I'm just going to hang out. You know, I'm going to eat whatever I want. I'm just going to go about my business. So I think his demeanor is, is perfect. Mm. I don't care what you say. You're, you're not human if you don't, you know, have, have a little butterflies in a game seven. I mean, Philly's never had a game seven in the in the history of their franchise. So, you know, that that's something that is is crazy. And then the D backs last game seven was Luis Gonzalez in 01 in the World Series. I mean, that that broke a lot of hearts. But um so I think there's there's dynamics to this game they're gonna play. I, I think one of the biggest one is uh how soon do you go to Zach Wheeler? I mean, we've obviously Ranger Suarez, I mean yeah, he's only thrown 28 innings, but he has the lowest qualifying ERA at .94 ahead of Sandy Koufax. But Sandy Koufax puts like 80-some innings. So, I mean, but but for what it is, he, he's been in those situations. And you got a sub one. I don't care if we're playing T-ball in 28 big league innings. That's pretty dang good. So, you know, I think it's going to be a great matchup, but we've said this all along. And I, I think it's who gets on the board early. And I think the biggest thing, too, is not only getting on the board early, but it's having that shutdown inning after you get some runs where, you know, they can't continue the momentum. Like, you get a three spot, you know, that's the biggest zero of the game to create that momentum and keep going. It's, you'll give up three spot, then you give up two-run homer. The game is still there. So I think that is one thing that I'm going to focus on tonight, taking notes and everything, is is when they do score, what happens in the next half inning? 
and, and see how that correlates with how the game plays itself out. Jabba Chamberlain's with us at Tail Varsity Radio and NLCS Game 7 Preview. Diamond Packs and Phillies uh, tonight and catch Jabba's podcast. We're lucky enough to be a part of that triple play podcast with Herd at Sports. And uh, can find that on YouTube, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes is where it's posted. And we've had a lot of fun talking Major League Baseball postseason. Is the X factor obvious tonight? Is it when we talk about offense and getting an early lead? Is it going to be Bryce? Is it going to be Schwarber? Because I think the guys will absolutely feed off of the delirium that's going to be in Philadelphia tonight. Yeah, it's that's the thing. It's like, you know, as, as when we've had, you know, Kay Long on the, the, the Philly sitting coach, somebody's going to step up. I mean, now Schwarber's has the most left-handed homers in history with 20 taken over for Reggie. Um, sure. Reggie all- loves that. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and the Astros just got knocked out. So his ego, his ego is a little bit on the downcline right now. So he, he, he got pushed off the leaderboard and that's, Mr. October never likes that to happen. No, to he him. does not. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we might have to get a Reggie story here before we're done. Oh yeah, we have we have plenty of Reggie stories. That's that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but no, I think I think with all of those guys, I think it's you can't just rely on somebody when you go out and you're like, okay, he can't beat us, he can't beat us. Well, top to bottom, they can all beat you. So it's it's limiting the damage. Like you know how it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they've homered over half of their games. They have power from top to bottom. And you know, last game they they get one run and don't hit a homer. Everybody, what's going on here at home? This is what happens. But you know, they showed they're human. So I, I think going into it, I'm I'm going to go on my pick to click that's going to step up tonight, and I'm going to have to pick the kid from Nebraska. I mean, he's played great defense. I think mm-hmm. he's going to come up. He's come up with some big hits, and I think Alec is is going to do some things special to where, um, you know, he's going to be a big key in this game. I I have no stake in the game. Mm-hmm. I want to see a great game. I don't want to see – I mean, I love seeing power. I love seeing all that. But I would love to see a nail-biter come down to it just, just because I love that part of the game. And, you know, like I said, I think from the Phillies is getting on early and then how fast do you go to Zach Wheeler? And then, and then what do you do after Brandon Fott? And mm-hmm. you have those guys stepping up. And, you know, I think, you know, the guys like Evan Longoria, I mean, you see Cattell Marte, he just tied Marquise Grissom for the 15 hit streak to start a postseason career. So he's the, he's a table setter there. And you got guys like Longo and, you know, Alex Thomas and, and Corbin Carroll. So I, I think it's a, it's a tale of two tapes, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's come down to a really good one in, in a game seven and, like I said, I didn't want to see any sweeps. I didn't think I would see two games seven, so I'm pretty excited. Jabba, you nailed it with uh, the pride of Omaha Ron Colley, Alec Baum being a guy to watch tonight. Guy that was overlooked out of high school, goes off, balls out at Wichita State, has really performed well uh, since he got drafted by the Phillies, what was that, five or six years ago now. He, he just had a phenomenal career, and I think he makes Nebraskans proud. Now I want to get your take, Jabba. From a, a neutral point of view, watching tonight's game, what do you think makes for a more interesting World Series in your opinion? Is it Rangers against Diamondbacks or is it Rangers against Phillies? What do you think makes the the more intriguing series for the neutral? Oh, man. Um, there's so, there's so many good storylines both ways. I, I want the Texas ego to deal with the Philly fanatics. Fanatic. <laughs> that's, that's, I think that'd be I, I, entertaining. 
if you're going, if we're going baseball wise and we're going, there's two, two ways I could take this. If, if I, as a baseball guy, you want to see two, two headed monsters going at each other. Right. But what I also love too, is nobody thought the D backs would be even close. Mm-hmm. And I love the underdog. I love those guys that fight claw battle. I mean, you got some of these guys, you know, you look at the Rangers too. You got Evan Carter. It wasn't until September. Now this dude doesn't, he comes in. Uh-oh. See things that you just, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. So I would, this one, I, I'm good with whoever's in it because I think it's going to be a great series because, you know, Phillies with all the, the firepower and what they have. Then also you got, you know, the D backs and, and they've been proving people wrong and, you know, Tori Lavello's like win every inch. And, you know, I think they all bought in and they have great leadership and they've got guys that can answer the bell. So, like I said, I want to see a good one. Do I think if you're just a casual baseball fan, you want to see the nuttiness of Philly and the ego of Texas, like you said, and, and what it goes <laughs> with it. And, you know, you got two great front offices that have shown you exactly what it is. I mean, three, if you want to count Hazen and what he's done in um, Arizona and, you know, CY and all those guys. So I think it's just, it's great for baseball. I think it's, this is a, probably one of the best situations we could be in with two game sevens and, and having a, a new champion this year. Pretty awesome. And you look at Texas two years ago, three years ago, 100 loss, really spent money to, to make some money. Jabba, we'll uh, get a pod up here shortly, my friend, with the uh, Triple Play podcast, Jabba Chamberlain. Thanks for time, your time tonight, bud. Appreciate you jumping on. You got it, boys. Thank you. All right. There he is, Jabba Chamberlain, uh, with us here on Hale Varsity. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. Back to you, it's Hail Varsity. We are presented by your friends and Cornhead Lager. Love it. Flat out amazing. Get a cold beer. We can get a couple of those at the... Uh, Heard at Sports Bar Friday, can't we? Can't wait, Schmitty. No, that's going to be It's, it's awesome. as simple as that. No. And, and as I kind of said leading off the show, Cross Strain Brewing, fantastic local brewer. Glad to be partnered with them as well as 1890 uh, to be helping us put on this show here, Hale Varsity Radio. So we couldn't do it without them. We couldn't do it without the listeners at home. So any listeners at home, leave us some feedback. What do you think of the show, good, bad, or ugly? It's what pays our bills in addition to Cornhead Lager and the 1890 Initiative. So, uh doesn't really get any better than that, right? Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, get the podcast downloaded. So, got to talk to some of our friends in the stream. Phone lines are fixed. Big thanks to Eric. Has he got those handled? 489-1240-489-1240-800-825-5865. And Brandon asks a good question because (laughs) you have this happen in the Big Ten. Does Minnesota scare you with a trip to Minnesota? With uh, does Minnesota scare you with a trip to Ohio State coming up? Do they stand a chance at that Ohio State letdown? Maybe looking ahead towards Michigan. Very fair question. And Illinois was the team that would always air quote sting somebody. Right? They they stung Maryland. They stung Wisconsin two out of the last three years. And uh, there you go. Purdue was a team that that once upon a time drilled Urban Meyer 
and Ohio State in West Lafayette. Or they went on the road and crushed a really good Iowa team that was number two in the country. Iowa, I don't count them as a surprise. Anytime they get somebody that's really good at Kinnick, for the most part, they they make you either escape with your life or they upset you, mm-hmm. right? So Nebraska, their uh, sting moment was when they beat the playoff-bound Sparty in 2015, year one of Riley. But I just don't think there's enough for Minnesota or really anyone else in the crossovers of, of Big Ten West Kingdom to, to scare your top three. I think Maryland could be a little bit shaky. I know there's some trap games. I like the fact that Maryland's coming into Lincoln after Penn State. We'll see where Maryland's at. Uh, their co-offensive coordinator, Coach Sumlin, got a Dewey. Uh, so is is he helping, or is he on administrative leave? What what plays out with him? I, mean, I know we're talking Maryland down the road. Purdue's what's on the plate right now. But the other topic, uh, Walter has been chatting about this in the stream, and uh, Red Wines weighed in, and it's Dion as well. The rushing numbers: two hundred a game, one ninety-five is the official number right now. Those are fine they 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 accumulate but it's not kind of what you're used to with some of the really good running nebraska teams well if you look at some of the numbers i think the 2014 probably averaged 225 230 a game maybe i'm a little shy on that but it was 30 40 50 yards more than what nebraska is putting up now the difference is aesthetics you had a mirror doing it you had Rex doing it. You had Roy doing it. You had Rogier doing it. You had the Weebacks doing it. You had LP and Calvin and, uh, of course, uh, Amon. Well, you talk about the aesthetics. Like, looking back, it feels like whenever you talk about those running backs, whenever you handed it off to him, you were guaranteed at least two to three yards. Hopefully you're getting six to seven. That was a seven. bad play. A bad play is two to three yards. Yeah. Where this current Husker team, they're making their money with those, you know, 10 to 15-yard chunk runs. But you have a, a hell of a lot more negative plays or or no gain okay. plays than you'd like. From Second your, your down has been game. a nightmare, Elijah, under center trying to run the football. Mm-hmm. And just you don't even have to say second down. Running the football under center, aside from the option, has been a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, and you know, let's hear a little bit from Satterfield. Let's go back to him with how teams are trying to defend Nebraska and their quarterback run game. Because what you saw against Illinois, they kept. That five-man front where it's one-on-ones. You heard Tom Deanhart talk about what uh, Walters has implemented where you've got some outside backers on the edge there and that Illinois defense has traveled to Purdue with scheme. They just don't have the same dudes. And every team's going to try and take away Harburg and the option. Michigan's been able to do it. Minnesota didn't have an answer. Illinois did not have an answer. And Northwestern didn't have an answer. Is Purdue going to have an answer, or can Nebraska do enough? Because that's where they're going to get their running game, mm-hmm. right? It's not between the tackles. At least we haven't seen it. It's going to be quarterback run with some counter and and maybe some some ISO work. But other than that, you, you're not going to line up and just run for for four on first down. Nebraska's not been able to do that. They're just not the type of running offense that. 
that goes and overpowers the defensive line. No, no, and there's not. It's it's okay because there's not really a threat of a downfield passing attack. You saw a little bit that's on film now with Coleman, which was great, but you got to hit more of those than than what we presented earlier in the show. Here's Satterfield. Everybody has their own little little niches. You know, we've seen everything from a lot of edge pressure to rushing three to. You know, mush rushing and just kind of keeping him in the pocket. So, I mean, you got to be ready for everything. Uh, but you kind of, you know, after a couple of games, there's only so many ways that they can, they can, you know, try to affect how he's, you know, managing the game. So we just try to do a good job of replicating that in practice. Uh, we had a great practice. Coach did a nice job today. Like, Coach was the D coordinator today with uh, the, the um, Purdue defense and uh, was out there. And it was really good for our guys, just giving us the multiple looks. And the scout team was really playing really, really hard for, for Coach, obviously. So that was really nice. How about that? That's going to be a, a talking point, and it'll be brought up on the broadcast. Matt Rule took over the scout team today, and both sides of it, and that's that's totally him, hands-on. I need guys to get better. He's also probably looking for some depth, right? He's probably looking, who's another guy I can pull off scout that's a James Williams? Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to need some guys. I don't want to be forced to burn some red shirts. God forbid if someone else goes down, who can I take with me? Hey, who, who can I bring over and be an offensive lineman? You know, that's probably what he's looking for. I say that kiddingly, obviously. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think so at all. You don't think so? No, I don't. Listen. Like, it, short term, that's, that's a tough pull. Well, it's either that or do you burn a shirt. Mm. And the, the guys that would be... Asked to burn the shirt would I would think probably be willing to do so, uh, and that get, that gets you in a, in a tough spot. It gets you in a tough spot. Four eight nine twelve forty. Let's hear from Tony White. He was asked about the defense and what's making him smile right now as this defense continues to just get better and better. Cut fourteen. Did you have this saved in your folder? It should be. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, you have it in the same folder as Satterfield. Here we go. I think the chemistry between the guys. Actually, we're out of time. We'll hit yeah. that next segment. We will, we will get you some Mr. White. Yeah, science. All right. Uh, good enough. Reminder about the podcast. Can get the whole video portion of the show and uh, throw that on your TV, your, t- your uh, tablet, or your laptop. Hail Varsity YouTube is what you subscribe to. At Hale Varsity Radio Twitter. The replay is right there. Some emails as well. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. We'll wind down a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity. And we're powered by your friends at Cornhead Brewery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Well, time on a Tuesday. Hale Varsity Radio powered by Cornhead Lager. With your friends at the 1890 Collective. Good folks uh, helping uh, support you uh, with that much-needed cold beer during a football game. Let's hear from Tony White and specifically uh, the impact of, of Ty and Nash, what they've been able to do. And a lot of season left, a lot more chances for Ty and Nash to eat. Yeah, though, I mean, those D linemen, like I said, uh, you know, we got – we got some of the best ones in the country. I've, I've always I felt like that, and, and the neat thing is that they're they're putting it on the grass. You know, what I mean, uh, the disruption that him and Nash are doing in there, all of them really. I mean, I mean, now you got Jamari down in there moving in and stuff. The 
the disruption that they're causing. You know, it's 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 easy to see them make a sack and it's easy to see them make a tackle for a loss. But what you don't see are those plays where they're taking up two guys and now the linebacker or the safety runs through a hole and hits it for a tackle for a loss. It's because those guys are doing extra. You know, so you can't you can't play as good of. Uh, run defense as we're playing without without it starting up front with those guys and doing again doing the work that that nobody sees until you watch the film. So, Brennan, our friend in the Black Hills, the real question: What are we going as for Halloween? I haven't dressed up in carry the one probably thirty five years. Hmm. I've been trying to think of a good a good character or pop culture person that is mustached. I was thinking maybe Magnum PI, not really me. It's you little, are going to get yourself a, a Chiefs jersey. No. no. Well, I need to find a Taylor Swift to go with. You can do that. We'll see. We'll see. You can do that. Or you're not optimistic. I'm not optimistic. Talk to Coach I'll- McBride today. He said you need to talk to some of the the gals that, that you may bowl against on the bowling team. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, the other thought I had was I could. Did you have bowling tonight? Right? I do have bowling yeah. tonight. We'll, we'll see how that goes. I was thinking I could go as, you know, a sexy mustached radio host. But sure. I, I'm kind of already living that every single day. So that'd be tough, a tough costume to pull off. I'm not sure what I'd change. Yeah. Radio's <laughs> shifted a bit to the digital medium where we've got to be on camera, which is fine. I love it. It's so cool. everyone knows I'm lying. <laughs> no, I, I'm not. I'm not piling on there. You're a strapping young lad, uh, but the um, imagination of, of what you look like versus what you sound like, I've disappointed many for years, <laughs> is the truth. Uh. Oh, I thought you were going to be some big... Yeah, I know. I'm supposed to have an oxygen tank, a rascal scooter, a bag of Cheetos, and a lit cigarette. I know that's that, that's the image that comes to people's mind for me. Well, that, maybe that's what you could go as for Halloween, <laughs> the image that people have of you. <laughs> so you could go as Chris Schmidt and no one would even know. Like, oh, yeah, you look just like what that guy's voice sounds yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. You know, 17 Paul Malls later and a whiskey. <laughs> yep. So there's that. Uh, one more thought here from Tony White. And, Brennan, thanks for the uh, input. I still think you need to go as, as Travis Kelsey looking for Taylor Swift. Oh, that's not bad. Look, there's got to be someone dressed up as Taylor Swift. Oh, I think there's probably several. Good game, too. Hey, kind of look like Taylor Swift. Bang. Bang. Okay, we're, we're out of time. Yeah, we are out of time. <laughs> that absolutely hurts. All right, Evan Bland tomorrow. A jock doc tomorrow. Mr. Husker football. Mike Babcock. I have been alerted that Clausburn is in the game one of the World Series. Legally? Yes. A Huda Media Production.